It's your turn now. It's my turn, okay. Guys, it's uh, it's really awesome to uh, to be with you, and I appreciate you sharing those uh, th- those thoughts, Steve. Um, it's uh, it is inspiring to hear the way you uh, share about your son and um, and just uh, the lessons that you learned from him. You know, I think uh, I'm definitely uh, not speaking to you guys as uh, parents, uh, you know, but as a son. And uh, I'm excited to share uh, with you guys. And uh, you know, I don't know much about parenting, but probably what Steve said is right that. Uh, the advice of doing it with 110%, even if you don't know where you're going, you know, like that's probably, I'm guessing, the way parenting is sometimes. And because uh, uh, we don't have ourselves figured out, so for you guys to figure us out, you know, might be even more of a challenge. And, uh, but I, I need to pray. I don't know about you guys. Uh, and so, so let's pray. Amen. Father, it's, uh, it's awesome to be here, uh, God, with this group and just grateful. Um, Father, to, to be in a church uh, where uh, we can uh, learn from one another, God, uh, just grateful, um, just uh, God, for the ways that uh, you've taken care of me and uh, just uh, parented me, God, um, just through, uh, through my parents, but then also through so many, God, that have invested in me and have given to me, God, I know that I am a product of just the many, many parents in my life, God, and Father, I'm just uh, so grateful for it, and um, God, grateful for this group. Uh, please, uh, please be with uh, this time. I pray you speak through me, and God, that uh, the words, uh, God, just from your scripture can really uh, lead us to some great insights. And uh, God, we love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I, uh, I got to be honest with you guys. I, I feel the pressure coming here. Uh, I feel the pressure. Um, mostly because of how much I want to say the right thing, you know, like in this, uh, in this group, um, because I just have so much respect and, uh, and appreciation for all that you guys do. Like, uh, just, I, I gotta be real. Like high school is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. And Steve, thanks for like already opening the door to my emotions a little bit. Like, I appreciate you doing that before I even start, but just was talking to a high school, uh, student just not too long ago. That's in this uh, that goes to North River and uh, was talking about one of his football experiences where basically every single play for 13 downs with no helmets, uh, the, the, the guy he was on the offensive line, the defensive line, would smack him in the face and then run by him. And that's what he did for 13 plays. And, uh, and that's what he endured. And he just talked about how hard school was. Yeah. And... Uh, and it's it's brutal. I, I I don't I think I feel the weight because like we really need help. Mm. Like we really need help. Uh, I hated every like single minute of high school. Yeah. Like I really did. I don't know if you guys were the cool kids in in your high school or whatever and um but I definitely wasn't uh and uh you know uh, as I as I start if we can turn our bibles to 2 Timothy chapter uh chapter 3 but I, you know, I feel the pressure because I also, I also know that uh, that I didn't make it easy on my parents, you know, and uh, and just the the torment that I put them through at times, and the anxiety that I put my mother through on a daily basis. You moms, I don't know how you survive with the. Uh, I really, I, I just don't. But uh, but it, it's brutal, and you know, middle school is rough too. I, I mean, I didn't really like any of it. Uh, 
and, and 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 seriously, I mean, it is it is really the front lines of this world, mm-hmm. with undeveloped brains. Oh, that it, it's it's just the front lines. There's no place harder. You think it's hard to be a light on your on your like at your job? It's not even close to middle school and high school. Like it is. I mean, for these people to even be considering God right. and thinking yeah. about God, yeah. uh, it's, it's just a, it's a miracle. Yeah. And so yeah. I just, I really do respect, I mean, all of, anything that I share, I hope that you know, really comes from a place of just love and appreciation that you guys are really trying to fight and engage because, uh, because we really need you guys too. And, uh, you know, I want to read this passage to really uh, to paint a picture of what high school is like. Okay? It's not going to be encouraging. All right? Are you ready for 2 Timothy chapter 3? Okay, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful and proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, amen, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed. By all, all kinds of evil desires. Always learning, but never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also those teachers opposed the truth. They are men of depraved minds, who as, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. But they will not get very far, because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however... Know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and who from infants and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, I love this passage. And this is Paul, right? And he's writing to his son. He's writing to his son, Timothy, in the faith. You know, I've definitely had some fathers in the faith. You know, I love that I get to just work with on a, on a daily, weekly basis with Tom Brown. Just how much I'm inspired by that. And I love just in my campus ministry days, I was in Boston. And it was in the campus ministry there. And Kevin Miller whipped me into shape in many ways. And I needed that. And you parents, let your campus ministers whip your children into shape, okay? Don't come to the rescue. I'm just saying. But uh, just, you know, I'm not speaking as a campus minister of, you know, any. No, I am. But, uh, but, uh, 
But, but anyways, you know, Kevin changed my life in so many ways as well. But, you know, my first father in the faith was my father. And, uh, and it's, uh, you know, this passage paints this picture of all these things, you know, the, the terrible times. And I'm sure it was like that back then too, right? All these things that you see. But uh, as I read those, do you, do you see the similarities? Yeah. Do you see the things? I mean, wow, high school really is abusive. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, speaking of that boy who slapped in the face 13 plays in a row with no helmet. I remember one day in high school... Uh, or might have been seventh grade, before the bell rang, kid just punched me in the face right in class. And then uh, the bell rang, and I sat down and uh, didn't do anything. I remember uh, how hard that was. I remember, uh, this is just physical abuse, but I remember in gym class, uh, you know, running second base, and it was during kickball, and and a kid uh, tripped me intentionally uh, as I was rounding second base and I was wearing shorts and just, you know, skidded across the gym floor and my gym teacher laughed at me, saw it. I I looked, I was like, can I please someone like, can someone do this? But she just laughed, you know, um, it's a, it is a beautiful, it's, it's an abusive place. You know, the thing about college that's so much easier is if someone doesn't like you, there's 30 other thousands, 30,000 students that you can go find to be friends with. That's right. But from second to 12th grade, I literally got made fun of every single day. I don't know really why, and, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't really understand. But uh, in, in, in many ways, even the popular kids, they're making fun of each other. It's really the experience of every single student, you know, disobedient to their parents. I'm sure you guys can relate to that. But then without self-control, slanderous. That's what it's about. Conceited, lovers of pleasure. You know, in in this world that we live in, having a form of godliness. In this Bible belt that we live in that, you know, people can go to Passion City or something like that. But then the things that they do in high school or whatever. I can't tell you how many college students that I talked to that went to FCA or something like that. But then the life that they lived afterwards, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You know, uh, the world is finding more and more ways to get inside of our homes. You know, not just for gullible women, but for gullible young men and women. You know, the Internet is is a world that you guys did not have to deal with. And it, it destroyed me as a, as a high school student. It really decimated my faith, my confidence, and, my, and just my way that I viewed the, the world. But there's so many things that are, wor- that are trying to worm in to our lives. I'm not trying to p- paint a bleak picture, but I think it is important to understand kind of how, how we feel. And I'm sure that you can go back and remember what it was like for you as well. Uh, just the people are always learning, but never finding the truth. The information age, just how much information you get and you learn, but so much, so little of it is about truth. But, but Timothy had hope. Yes. You know, Timothy had hope and he said, you, however, know all about my way of life. And you know, I don't know if you guys read the fine print in parenting when you cracked, like made that decision, but uh, unfortunately, uh, 
what this scripture I really see teaches is you are the reference point of scripture. That although he'd been taught scriptures from infancy, right, his reasoning and his way of defense against all these false teachers was, hey, remember me. Look at me. Look at, look at the way that I lived. Okay, you, you saw all that stuff. You saw the way the world is, but you know how I live. Right. Think about that. Don't think about this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not enough for someone to understand scripture. That's right. It really isn't, unless you see it living in the lives of people around you, it never really comes to life. And that's the thing that I I really, I mean, Courtney and I are, you know, don't tell our campus students right now, okay, don't let them listen to this recording. Courtney and I are are starting to kind of dabble in that idea of, okay, we're starting to think about when do we want to have kids. And the scariest thing that I'm thinking about is like, you literally, you can't hide, right? Right? I mean, is, there's no one on, besides maybe your wife or your husband that knows more about your life than your kids do. There's no hiding. You wish you could, right, sometimes. You're kind of always on display. Your faults, your weaknesses, and all those types of things, they're just, your strengths too, amen? All those things, they're always on display. And there's, there's no way to, to hide from it. And, you know, Paul understood that as he was taking Timothy along, but he used it for for a saving place for Timothy. It wasn't just the way he lived, but also his purpose. Because Paul was engaged in his purpose. It wasn't just his purpose, but it was his faith. Because he also, he saw Paul's engagement in his faith. And his patience, wow. And his love and endurance. The persecutions, the hard times, not just the easy times. Timothy saw all those things. And while others were being deceived and going from bad to worse, Timothy was able to find safe place in the examples around him. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul Praise knew God. that more was caught Praise than taught. Yeah. And, uh, and even though he had been raised from infancy in Scripture, he, un- he really knew that Paul's life was going to be a light to him. And uh, if I could, guys, I, you know, I... I'd love to share with you some of the things that I remember catching from my parents. You know, I love, uh, love sharing about my dad and my mom. Um, you know, they, uh, I, I remember seeing my dad. I mean, I still remember waking up before school and always seeing my dad having a quiet time. Just no matter where it was, I, I remember there's two spots specifically. I had a couch, the door was open in his bed. I still have the visual of looking across the hallway and, and him being on his, you know, on his seat in his bedroom reading or in the living room downstairs. I remember always just seeing that. I remember him talking about, you know, the beaver that he would see on his prayer walk. You know, and I just was, you know, and then like, he, you know, because he always would have this quiet time by a cemetery at our house. He would tell me about this, this, the hawks that he would see come up and swoop up this fish. And I remember I would go for like once, you know, like to want, and I wouldn't see anything. I wouldn't see anything. And I learned even then that, wow, this is, this is from a lifestyle, not a moment. He lives this and I see it. I remember the humility uh, of my, of my dad. I remember how often he would apologize. I just remember thinking that was weird. Remember, like, me being the idiot. You know, I remember me being the one that did something wrong. 
And then my dad coming back to me afterwards and going, son, was I too, too strong on you there? I want you to know this is how I feel about what just happened. I'm sorry if it hurts you the way I said it. Awesome. Just remember going like, why are you apologizing? I, I know I'm in the wrong. Yeah. But I, I remember that shaping me. Mm-hmm. I remember a specific story of him sharing his faith. I mean, my parents would share their faith everywhere. And uh, I remember being so embarrassed. You know, like at the shopping, at the grocery store, they're sharing their faith with the, the, the person at the front desk or whatever. And there's a line behind them. And they're like, Mom and Dad, relax, okay? Let this one go. I remember thinking that as a seven-year-old. But my mom, sending, giving an invitation, sharing her faith, just, you know, oblivious to the people around her almost. Just remembering. Or my dad. And I remember we were, you know, he was at a mechanic, uh, like, and uh, fixing his car. And I remember... Uh, my, my dad uh, inviting this man, uh, the mechanic, and the guy was, uh, he was like, well, you know, no offense, I just don't feel like going to a place where I'm going to have to pay, to, you know, for a person to speak or something like that. That was the man's, and my, my dad w- is, was the minister at that church, you know. <laughs> I remember my dad's response, and, you know, it's like, oh, I, I totally understand that, you know, and he shared a couple things, and, and I looked, and I remember thinking, like, because that guy was you know, kind of aggressive. I remember thinking, though, seeing the confidence in my father, kind of unfazed by, like, bulletproof. I remember even then going, like, this guy is the crazy person. My dad knows what he's talking about. I can see this guy's life. I'm only around it for 12 seconds, but I can see the difference in the anger and the rage and the just lack of direction in his life versus my dad having something to talk about. We're seeing those things. You know, my bedtime stories as a kid were my, my dad's sin. That's what he would talk about at, during my bedtime. He would talk about, like, the stupid things that he did in high school. And I just remember loving it. I remember, like, he, he stole all the locks off of all the gym lockers. All the locks. And then what he did with his buddy is he went behind a fence and started hucking them over the fence into oncoming traffic. These big locks, okay? Not even looking, just hurling them over it. I'm, you know, you imagine me as a seven-year-old or eight-year-old or 10-year-old just going like, dad, what were you thinking? He li- and then he didn't know what car the next car was coming. Landed on the, on the windshield of a police car. And uh, just remember my dad sharing that story. I remember my dad sharing about the mistakes he made with women and just him sharing those stories and those different things. And it was so amazing because I saw, like, I just knew all those stories. Even the stories of my dad killing a bunch of frogs as a kid. God, like, you murderer. You know, but uh, hearing all those things and going, my dad is different. This Jesus thing changed him. Praise God. I remember seeing those things or the way he gave. I remember, like, he giving his car away. You know, even as a young kid, just thinking, you could have sold it. Why'd you give it to someone in the church that needed it? Or just how he would help me save up money for special missions so I could have something to give. And just like, even, even as a kid going like, I know that I could buy a toy with this or, or something like that. But seeing those things or when I first st- started doing taxes, when I got my first job and the temptation I already felt to not do them. My dad said, no, we got to do this the right way. I remember just going, oh, you know, this, I don't know if you want to repeat this. Are you guys, are these stories lame or are you guys okay with me sharing this thing? I remember waking up one morning as a six-year-old seeing a random stranger 
in on my on my couch because there was a homeless man that my parents let into the home just for that night because it was a cold night and, and I probably wouldn't advise people to do that one again but I remember just the way they cared the way they reached out I remember the way that my mom was treated by my dad Amen. They kissed in front of us all the time, and I thought it was disgusting. But it also gave me security and peace of mind to know that my parents loved each other. They fell on sleep. They fell asleep on the couch together. You know, after a long, like after Sunday, you know, probably like you will today. You know, that that time before work, the next day, my dad would watch golf, fall asleep on the couch. And my mom would join him, and I just remember thinking of those things, or thinking about Mother's Day and the way that we would take care of her, the cards that I would see my dad write, uh, or the way that he served my mom. I remember seeing those things and just going, just, uh, just being inspired. Um, my dad and mom, all my, you know, we weren't as close maybe as you guys. I don't know the distance between parents. But my dad drove me to a friend at church's house every single weekend. And my closest friends in the church were 45 minutes away. And that was when I was 14 years old. And, and they sacrificed. And, and sometimes I wouldn't even, even sleep over. But they, they put it in. The parents would take turns literally driving over. And then the next week I would go over there. But what it did is it, it helped me surround myself around people in the church. My best friends were people in the ministry. Yeah. But they drove me every single weekend without fail. And I just remember, wow, they're sacrificing their Saturdays mm-hmm. in a major way. You know, my parents just moved to Paris to, uh, to help uh, lead the church there. And I remember my dad sharing, like, I really needed this move. Because, you know, I did notice something that even though I really was inspired over some of the, the tough times in the church... I did notice that they stopped sharing their faith as much at the grocery store. Mm. I did notice some of those things. I started to notice that they weren't as engaged. You know, they were kind of, they were definitely invested and given. I remember my dad sharing, like, I needed to move because I was too comfortable. Like, I needed to get stretched. I, ne- I needed this. I know that I've been able to help the parish church, but I needed this. I'm afraid I'm afraid of where I would have gone if I stayed comfortable and in that setting. And I remember just being inspired because my dad was already my hero. And the idea that my dad had still things to repent of, still things that he could work on, was just amazing. I mean, you know, moms, I could talk about my mom too. I mean, the way she literally wouldn't let me leave the house ever once without giving her a hug. It just nauseated me. (laughs) Nauseated me. You know, but uh, how... How faithful she was in, in being patient with me as I started to kind of get confused. Like, I like girls now. My mom's a girl. Oh, this is weird. Yeah. And kind of feeling, wanting that distance as I figured out. But my mom just gave so much. Always coming to my rescue. Always wanting to, to lay the love down, you know, in, in so many ways. Uh, you know, I, I never saw my dad once yell at my mom. Amen. Or talk bad about people Amen. with malice, especially. Or to talk bad about people in the church or the way the church works. You know, when things were wrong, it was the spirit of giving the benefit of the doubt. Or if something, someone wasn't doing well, Amen. there was this kind of heart of compassion, not disdain. Yeah. 
you know, hey, we, we got to pray for this. You know, he's not, he's not doing well. We got to understand, you know, or these types of things. I remember, remember he would let, just kind of like you shared, Steve, he would let himself be inspired by me. And that was like, oh, I, I have something to offer to them. That was inspiring. You know, that was just so cool. Um, you know, my dad always seemed to find and look for the good in me. I remember this specifically a baseball game. You know, sports are kind of intense in Georgia, and they're intense in New England, too. There's, there's this major amount of comparison and all these types of things. But I remember, like, playing baseball, and I, like, got out all three times in, in this game. My, like, and my dad, he was like, you just have such a natural swing. I think I struck out, like, three times in a row. But he was just like, your swing is just so natural. Like, it, you know, I just, I wish I had that swing of yours at your age. My dad was the varsity uh was the captain for uh, the Boston College baseball team. But he was still looking for good in me, you know. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I never felt unrealistic expectations about my grades or about school. There was this, like, hey, I'm with you. I'm in this with you. Yep. You know, there was not this, this feeling of I needed to perform. I knew I had his love. Um, and almost in a weird way, like, I, I'm not actually good at this, Dad. Why are you keep saying these things. I remember feeling so secure. I'm just sharing these things, but you know, even like when they started going through financial burdens, the housing market went down and they kind of invested in a house that when the housing market went down, they were not ready for. I remember their conversations about debt and yet him fighting not put the financial burden on me. Teaching me how to be wise, but talking about the lessons that he was learning that oh, I blew it. I, I need to work in this. And seeing him in, in those areas, but all those things, they really, they were what I saw. And that's what you see in this passage is this, you know all about my way of life. And, uh, and it, it helped me, you know, so much to kind of shape what I was looking for. But, you know, despite all that, uh, you know, the thing is that my dad still hurt me. You know, my parents still hurt me. Uh, despite all that, I actually be became a Christian in college. And, uh, you know, I, I got, I actually, you know, kind of went underwater when I was 14 years old. But, uh, you know, the one, but the one thing, even as my parents invested so much, the, the one thing that didn't happen is uh, my parents didn't really in engage in my purity battle. There was kind of this naivety that, like, I, I trust my son. But I, you know, I remember, like, getting dunked in water and then a couple months later starting to drink and uh, do all these things because the pressure to fit in and to, and to really make friends in school was still so great. I remember getting caught eight months later and, and just, you know, seeing my mom cry for, for two hours. And that actually convinced me to not drink again. But... Uh, but I, I ended up kind of for the next couple of years living in a totally deceived kind of different one way at church and a different way at home for many years. And, uh, and I, I became enslaved to this other world. And, and it, was, uh, it was a challenge. And it wasn't until I was 20 years old and was in a campus ministry and realized, man, this whole repentance thing I never did. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I just... I, I just say that because I know that, like, uh, I don't know where all your kids are, but just, just if they're not where they're at, where they need to be now, I do want you guys to know that it is a journey. Yeah. It is a process. And, 
I mean, I shared, I tried to share a lot of the good things my parents did, and I still couldn't figure it out. But the thing that I had, I was able to look back and fall back on an example. I was able to have a reference point of what real faith was. Because even if I didn't know the scriptures, I knew their life. And I understood it and I saw their sacrifice. But my parents were naive to how much the world was trying to get into my home. And, uh, you know, I got a computer when I was 13 years old. And uh, that, it kind of went downhill from there. And that was a challenge, and, you know, I, we didn't really talk about those things. And as much as they were an example, I think my dad <laughs> let other people kind of have those conversations instead of him having that conversation. I think that hurt me, and I, I remember not really talking to dad about my struggles until I was 20 years old for the first time. He asked a couple times, but I lied in high school as he started to kind of whatever and try and prod in there. And, uh, and that was such a, you know, I remember, I still remember those, those moments and those memories. And uh, I think the other thing that I felt is, I remember one time in eighth grade, um, these are some of the wounds that I still feel, was, uh, was I graduation for eighth grade. I don't know if you guys do that down here. I don't know why, what you're graduating really from, but, um, but I, uh, you know, was gradu- graduating and uh, someone walked by me in the line and knocked off my cap just to mess with me. And, uh, and I remember bending down, grabbing it, and my dad seeing it. And we never talked about it. I remember my dad still comes back to me. He's like, I just I wish I had talked to you because I never told my dad ever that I got picked on from second to 12th grade, not once. Um, and so although I felt loved and believed in, I'm not sure if I really felt protected. Mm. I didn't really feel this while like my parents are there for me. And uh, as much as I love them, we talk about these things now. I think the problem is, just so you guys know, the fine print is you will never be perfect parents. Right. You, you really never will be perfect <laughs> parents. And I think God like designed it that way. Because ultimately, we need to get those things from God. Amen. We need to get those, you know, those full pictures from God in, in so many ways. But the question is, are you engaged? Are you setting a pace? Come on, talk to you know, I even, I even think about kind of this world, and we want the youth to rise up. Right. Don't we like, don't, I, I, I know that in us, we, like, we just want all the investment that I know all of you guys have made into the church. And into God's people, the time that you put in, the, the times that you showed up to practice like Steve was talking about, that you went through the hard times, all those types of things. Do you want it to, to end? No. Absolutely not, right? No. I know that you guys want it. Yeah. But I think one of the things that I've noticed, and sometimes the thing that I can feel, is it's almost like, hey, hey guys, it's your turn. Mm. It's your turn to kind of go, it's your turn to do what I did when I was in college. Yeah. Or it's your turn to give and, and that's just not how Paul operated. No, right. Paul didn't say, hey, it's time. For, hey, it, now you're, you, you got to do this. He said, hey, try and keep up. Mm. That was his spirit is try and keep up with my walk with God. As this is Timothy, you know, Paul's probably last letter. He's talking to Timothy and he's sharing this, this idea. Hey, you know about all my way of life. Why is he saying that? He's trying to pass on the torch. Mm. He's trying to pass on because he, he's in prison at this time. And his journey is almost over, and he's saying, hey, can you please look at my life, keep up. Right. He was engaged fully as a father because he knew that 
His sons needed that in the faith. That they needed a reference point and example. And I think uh, one of the things that just uh, inspires me about life now, and I, just to give you guys kind of a, a, a horizon, is that imagine being able to write this to your, your son or daughter, Amen. this letter. Because at this point, they're like peers. There's this amazing thing, and I'm starting to experience it with my parents. You know, at 27 years old, it's, you know, but uh, is I'm like partners with my dad in the ministry. Like, we get to do this together. We talk about how to build God's church together. It's so much wow. fun. Praise God. I get to, my, you know, it's just this amazing new, like, I've never, you know, we kind of got in like, a, we had a sit-down talk the other day. It's the first time I sat my dad down. Oh. I sat my dad down and I was like, Dad, there's a couple things that I saw this summer that we need to talk about. But we're, and it was weird. It was yeah. weird. It was two hours long. I didn't know what to say. Courtney was in there. My mom was in there. And uh, I was like, and, and Mom, the way that you talk to Courtney in this way, it's not going to work. You know, these types. I mean, right. it, it was like those types Amen. of things, you know. But it, what was cool, and as we were laughing about it, is we're like, we're partners. Right. We're, we're like, we're mom and dad, but we're also like brothers and right. we care about God together. And, and, and it's just, it is amazing. And that really can happen. Yes. That really can happen. But, uh, you know, I, I honestly needed my parents to engage in, with me more, even as I got older and to talk about those things. I remember the first time I got open with my mom about my purity struggles. And because uh, I had made this decision as a 20 year old, as I was finally trying to really repent for the first time, that I'm going to call a brother and, uh, until someone answers. So I had a list of seven people, and the bottom person on my list was my mom, because she's never not going to answer my phone call. And so I knew that she was going to respond. And, and I, remember, I remember calling her and telling her, Mom, I'm on the train, and I want to go home and be impure. That was even a little bit more graphic in what that meant. And, uh, and I remember. She, she talked to me about her purity struggles before she got married and all those things. And you know I wasn't struggling with my purity when I got home, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't struggling with that. You know, that definitely, that definitely helped. That definitely helped. I will never, I will never forget that conversation. It was... It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. You know, I think one of the things is, I think Paul had just was, didn't hold back. I think what I loved about even that moment with my mom is she could have just said, hey, son, it's okay, you know, these types of things. But she actually, she engaged. Right? She engaged. Like, sometimes you have to offer your whole life to your kids. There's got, you got to share all parts of your Christian walk. Yeah. Yeah. And the things that I'll never forget are just the, the sidebar conversations throughout the week, just the little nuggets of faith or as we're watching something on TV and him going, what do you see there? You see the lie that the world is teaching you there? Or these, these little things that just, but these conversations where they decide to really invest. And, I, and I'll never forget that conversation with my mom because it was real and it was honest. You know, our, our, your kids, they'll see, they'll see the hypocrisy. They'll see the way that the difference, if there is a difference. And if there is a difference, if you don't acknowledge the difference and you're not humble, they'll see that too. That's right. 
I want you to, I, I do want to say one of the biggest things that is inspiring is not my parents' strength, but the way that they acknowledge their weaknesses and the way that they go after growing. If my parents at 55 can actually continue to grow in their walk with God, or my dad or my mom can continue to grow in their marriage and really invest, or if they can continue to grow in the way that they reach the lost, if they're actually still focusing and thinking about repentance, I mean, what excuse do I have? Right. Amen. And it's inspiring. And then I feel like I'm doing it with them. Mm-hmm. And I think in the past, you know, even in, in, you know, for those of you guys who have been in the church for long, you probably didn't have a ton of Pauls. There's a bunch of Tim- Timothys kind of just bumping against each other. He's <laughs> causing ha- havoc and all these things. But if, this, if we're actually going to do more in this stage, yeah. we don't need just a bunch of Timothys. That's right. right. Yeah. If you want a lot of Timothys, you need a lot of Pauls. You need a lot of Pauls that are willing to engage in their marriage, in their life, and with their kids to ask the hard questions, to go after those things. Uh, If we, uh, you know, if we we could go further, you know, I would go to John 12, uh, which is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. But it's it's talking about where Jesus says, "Unless a kernel of wheat dies, remains only a single seed." And, uh, and I'm inspired by who Jesus is. And I think one of the things that inspired me the most is when my dad shared his conversion story, which I've probably heard a thousand times at this point. But each time he just talked about the way he was inspired by Jesus. And the way that he just, he was will like, once he saw this, he was willing to do anything. And I think if you're really going to be engaged, the one thing that I, I think we need to all have as I'm trying to inspire the, this generation as well, as an older brother, is, is to be inspired by the, the first engager. The first one that engaged with us, that really gave to us to continue to renew our inspiration by Him. Because if we're just playing a game, or if we're even just doing it for our kids, but not ultimately because of the person that decided that as the primary, the first kernel of wheat, that he's going to die. If we're not inspired by that constantly on a daily basis, if that's not where it overflows from, even that our children will see through. That's right. And that's where, you know, the thing that, that inspires me the most is my dad still figuring out how to get closer with, with his, the person that inspires him the most. Pray that we can do that together. I hope that this stuff helps, guys. I'm, I really am inspired by you guys. Let's, uh, let's raise up some Timothys together. Amen. Love you guys. Amen. Thank you.